Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall with you for the next two hours. Leslie is on uh, vacation this week, so we're going to have a list of uh, guest hosts. You heard uh, a recap of Hillary Clinton's DNC speech yesterday, as well as Michael Bloomberg. We are going to be talking more today about the escalating comments by Donald Trump and the Trump campaign and the attacks against the Khan family, of course, the gold star parents of Humayun Khan, who was killed defending the his military post as a U.S. Army captain in Afghanistan. His father uh, and mother were on stage at the DNC, and his father gave a speech uh, basically attacking Trump, saying that his son wouldn't even have been in the United States and been able to give the ultimate sacrifice to his country if Trump was president because they his son they immigrated uh, here his son nor he or his wife were born here so uh, those attacks got a negative response by Donald Trump as you can imagine and he Trump went on to attack the mother of the gold star soldier and we're going to talk about that as well in her response that she wrote in the Washington Post but I want to get to the source of this, uh, and and also today I should mention, although uh, the first segment's going to mostly be comprised of recapping what has happened so far with this uh, escalating feud between Donald Trump and the Gold Star Khan family, uh, we will be joined by Brad Bannon, who runs Bannon Communications Research, a polling message development and media firm which helps labor unions, progressive issue groups, and Democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns. Brad is also a senior advisor to and contributing editor for 
the website tiller4u.com, which is the social media network for politics. That's spelled T-I-L-L-E-R, the number four, com. He lectures in political science at Salem State University in Salem, Mass. So as I was saying, I want to go to the source of things. I've got an edited down clip of Kazir Khan's shortened DNC speech and then we've got Trump's response and the response by Ghazala Khan. So you're going to notice the applause lines are a little bit shorter than they were at the DNC, and we don't have the intro from the Democratic National Committee that they had in front of the speech. It's just the speech itself. Without further ado, this is Kazir Khan, the gold star father of Humayun Khan, who spoke at the DNC on Thursday. First, our thoughts and prayers are with our veterans and those who serve today. Tonight we are honored to stand here as parents of Captain Himayun Khan and as patriotic American Muslims. As patriotic American Muslims with undivided loyalty to our country, like many immigrants, we came to this country empty-handed. We believed in American democracy, that with hard work and goodness of this country, we could share in and contribute to its blessings. We are blessed to raise our three sons in a nation where they were free to be themselves and follow their dreams. Our son, Himayun had dreams too of being a military lawyer but he put those dreams aside the day he sacrificed his life to save the lives of his fellow soldiers Hillary Clinton was right when she called my son the best of America if it was up to Donald Trump he never would have been in America Donald Trump consistently smears the character of Muslims. He disrespects other minorities, women, judges, even his own party leadership. He vows to build walls and ban us from this country. Donald Trump, you're asking Americans to trust you with their future. Let me ask you, have you even read the United States Constitution? I will gladly lend you my copy. In this document, look for the words liberty and equal protection of law. Have you ever been to Arlington Cemetery? Go look at the graves of brave patriots who died defending United States of America. You will see all faiths, genders, and ethnicities. You have sacrificed nothing 
and no one. We cannot solve our problems by building walls, sowing division. We are stronger together, and we will keep getting stronger when Hillary Clinton becomes our president. In conclusion, I ask every patriot American, all Muslim immigrants, and all immigrants to not take this election lightly. This is a historic election, and I request to honor the sacrifice of my son. And on election day, take the time to get out and vote, and vote for the healer, vote for the strongest most qualified candidate, Hillary Clinton, not the divider. God bless you. Thank you. That, of course, was Kazir Khan at the DNC on Thursday. This was Donald Trump's response this weekend in an interview with ABC's George Stephanopoulos. There was a man named Kaiser Khan speaking at the Democratic Convention. His son, Captain Humayun Khan, was killed serving in Iraq. And he had some very tough questions for you. He said you wouldn't have even let his son in America. He yeah. doesn't know. He doesn't know that. I saw him. He was, uh, you know, very emotional and probably looked like uh, a nice guy to me. His wife, uh, if you look at his wife, she was standing there. She had nothing to say. She probably, maybe she wasn't allowed to have anything to say. You tell me, but plenty of people have written that. Uh, she, uh, she was extremely quiet and it looked like she had nothing to say. A lot of people have said that. Uh, and personally, uh, I watched him. I wish him the best of luck. He said you have sacrificed nothing and no one. Well, that sounds, uh, who wrote that? Did uh, Hillary's uh, scriptwriters write it? How would you answer that, Father? What sacrifice have you made for your country? I think I've made a lot of sacrifices. Uh, I work very, very hard. I've created thousands and thousands of jobs, tens of thousands of jobs. Uh, I think Those I've are sacrifices? Oh, sure, I think they're sacrifices. I think when I can employ thousands and thousands of people, take care of their education, take care of so many things, even in military, I mean, I was very responsible, along with a group of people, for getting the Vietnam Memorial built in downtown Manhattan, which to this day people thank me for. Uh, I raised and I have raised millions of dollars for the vets. I'm helping the vets a lot. I think my popularity with the vets is through the roof. And this is... Ghazala Khan, the mother of Humayun Khan, who was killed in Iraq, I think I mistakenly had said Afghanistan, uh, this is the mother of Humayun Khan. She also wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post, but she responded to Donald Trump's attack on her, uh, accusing her of maybe not being allowed to talk or something like that. Uh, and this, even though the day before she explained why she was having trouble and didn't even want to be on the stage with that picture of her deceased son behind her. These are some of her words, and then I will read the op-ed. We will go to break and come back with Brad Bannon's thoughts and your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. This, again, is Ghazala Khan this past weekend. Without saying a single word, every person with the heart, with the kind heart felt it. Please, Mr. Trump, feel that pain and you will be better with understanding me. Please. I, I, am, I am very I mean, upset when I heard that I didn't say anything because I was in the pain. If you are in the pain, you don't, you fight or you don't say anything. I, I am not a fighter. I, I can't fight. So that best thing I did was quiet. Running for president is not an entitlement. 
to disrespect Gold Star family and Gold Star mother, not realizing her pain. Shame on him. And uh, this was penned by Ghazala Khan this weekend in the Washington Post. It's entitled, Ghazala Khan, Trump criticized my silence. He knows nothing about true sacrifice. Again, these are her words she wrote. Donald Trump has asked why I did not speak at the Democratic Convention. He said he would like to hear from me. Here's my answer to Donald Trump. Because without saying a thing, all the word, all America felt my pain. I am a gold star mother. Whoever saw me felt me in their heart. Donald Trump said I had nothing to say. I do. My son, Humayun Khan, an army captain, died 12 years ago in Iraq. He loved America, where we moved when he was two years old. He had volunteered to help his country, signing up for the ROTC at the University of Virginia. This was before the attack of September 11, 2001. He did not have to do this, but he wanted to. When Humayun was sent to Iraq, my husband and I worried about his safety. I had already been through one war in Pakistan in 1965 when I was just a high school student. So I was very scared. You can sacrifice yourself, but you cannot take it that your kids will do this. We asked if there was some way he could not go because he had already done his service. He said it was his duty. I cannot forget when he was going to the plane and he looked back at me. He was happy and giving me strength. Quote, don't worry, Mom, everything will be all right, end quote. The last time I spoke to my son was on Mother's Day 2004. We had asked him to call us collect whenever he could. I begged him to be safe. I asked him to stay back and not to go running around trying to become a hero because I knew he would do something like that. He said, quote, Mom, these are my soldiers. These are my people. I have to take care of them, end quote. He was killed by a car bomber outside the gates of his base. He died trying to save his soldiers and innocent civilians. That is my son, Humayun was always dependable. If I was vacuuming the house and he was home, he would take the vacuum from my hand and clean the house. He volunteered to teach disabled children in the hospital how to swim. He said, quote, I love when they have a little bit of progress and their faces, they light up. At least they are that much happier. He wanted to be a lawyer like his father, to help people. Humayun is my middle son, and the others are doing so well. But every day I feel the pain of his loss. It has been 12 years, but you know hearts of pain can never heal as long as we live. Just talking about it is hard for me all the time. Every day, whenever I pray, I have to pray for him, and I cry. The place that emptied will always be empty. I cannot walk into a room with pictures of Humayun. For all these years, I haven't been able to clean the closet where his things are. I had to ask my daughter-in-law to do it. Walking onto the convention stage with a huge picture of my son behind me, I could hardly control myself. What mother could? Donald Trump has children whom he loves. Does he really need to wonder why I did not speak? Donald Trump said that maybe I wasn't allowed to say anything. That is not true. My husband asked me if I wanted to speak, but I told him I could not. My religion teaches me that all human beings are equal in God's eyes. Husband and wife are part of each other. You should love and respect each other so you can take care of the family. When Donald Trump is talking about Islam, he is ignorant. If he studied the real Islam and Quran, all the ideas he gets from terrorists would change because terrorism is a different religion. Donald Trump said he has made a lot of sacrifices. He does not know what the word sacrifice means. That was Humayun Khan's op-ed in the Washington Post. If you'd like to react, you can do so at 8886-LESLIE. That's 888 888- Six five three seven five four three. As promised, we'll be right back with Brad Bannon to get his thoughts 
Again, this is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall, and we will be right back after this quick commercial break. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall, joined by a good friend of the show, Brad Bannon. Brad, uh, before we went to break, you heard from Kazir Khan and his wife, Ghazala Khan, both in her audio we played there and the op-ed after Donald Trump's attack on her. What are your thoughts on all of this? Well, I was uh, on the convention floor uh, when Mr. Khan uh, gave his speech, and I thought it was uh, very touching and moving. Uh, Also, I had very little idea it would become the most significant speech of the convention. Uh, While I was watching Mr. Khan speak, I thought of something uh, that had happened in my political science class uh, back in uh, March. Uh, I was, uh, we were talking about the presidential race, and I was, uh, we were talking about uh, Donald Trump's proposal to ban Muslims uh, from entering the United States, and I. Uh, one of the things I always do for every class is I give them a little pocket copy of the Constitution to all my students. And I remember talking about the Muslim ban and holding up my copy of the Constitution and saying, you know, basically Donald Trump can talk all he wants um, about uh, banning Muslims from entering the United States. Uh, but it's clearly unconstitutional uh, because uh, basically the First Amendment to the Constitution uh, forbids the United States government from using religious tests. Uh, And, you know, banning all Muslims because they're Muslims is clearly a religious test. So it was blatantly unconstitutional. And I said to my students, even the Republican Supreme Court would not allow President Trump to do this because it was so blatantly unconstitutional. And it, the, Trump's reaction is just unbelievable. Um, first of all, if you listen, you know, listening to the interview he did, you just played with Paul Stephanopoulos, finding, comparing his own business experience with the cons family's sacrifice is the height of narcissism. Oh, yeah, what was your, uh, you know, Stephanopoulos asked him, what was your sacrifice, Mr. Trump? And his essential essentially says, well, I was in business, and I made lots of money. Brad, uh, I want to well, pause there just because we have a hard break here, but I want to come right back to that point you just brought up because I think that is key. It really shows that Trump thinks that's that's the same kind of sacrifice. I mean, that's, that's what he brought up. So... I, I think you nailed it on the head. Um, so we'll come back with Brad Bannon. This is Mark Grimaldi. I see we've got some callers on the line, a couple lines open. If you want to uh, talk about this topic, you can get in line now at 8886-LESLIE. We'll be right back after this quick break. 
Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall. Yeah, yeah, too many words. In for Leslie Marshall with you for the next hour and a half or so. Uh, we go right back to our guest host, Brad Bannon. Brad, you were talking about Trump comparing the sacrifices of the Khan family losing their son uh, in service to his country when he was killed in Iraq in 2004, saving the lives of his fellow soldiers to Trump saying that his sacrifices were his business pursuits. Yeah, it's, and again, you know, com, you know, and comparing, you know, he said I'd made sacrifices because I've, you know, made a lot of money. Uh, you know, it's it's just complete narcissism trying to compare his so-called sacrifices with the ultimate sacrifice that the Khan family uh, raised. And, you know, ever since then, he's been... He just—he's like a dog with a bone on this con thing. He cannot—he cannot just give it up, regardless of how much he is defaming the con family, how much he's damaging his own campaign. And you know, today he—he he just exacerbated the entire situation. He was giving a speech somewhere, I think, in Virginia, um, and a veteran walked up uh, on stage and gave. Donald Trump, his Purple Heart. Okay, that's a fine gesture. However, the way Trump responded was not fine. He said essentially, I'm glad I earned this the easy way. To me, that is mocking the sacrifice of Captain Khan and all of the hundreds of thousands of Americans who have died serving their country over the years. And I agree with President Obama. He said today that uh, Trump's attacks on the Khan family uh, make him unfit to serve as president. Brad, I want to read you and to you and our audience from an article by Sean Sullivan in the Washington Post entitled broad array of military luminaries condemn Trump over attacks on Khan family. Quote, a bipartisan constellation of decorated combat veterans, members of Congress, and family members of slain soldiers admonished Donald Trump on Monday for criticizing the Muslim American parents of an army officer killed in Iraq, threatening to undermine Trump's support among core Republican voters. The condemnations by Senate Armed Services Committee Chairman John McCain, a Republican, and former presidential candidate in 2008, the veterans of foreign wars, the VFW, and dozens of veterans and family members of those killed in the line of duty served as the most forceful rebuke yet of the mogul's comments and his anti-Muslim rhetoric. McCain, a respected figure on national security issues in the Republican Party, issued a written statement sternly reprimanding Trump. Quote, In recent days, Donald Trump disparaged a fallen soldier's parents, said McCain, who was taken prisoner during the Vietnam War. Quote, he has suggested that the likes of their son should not be allowed in the United States to say nothing of entering its service. I cannot empathize enough how deeply I disagree with Mr. Trump's statement. I hope Americans understand that the remarks by Trump do not represent the views of our Republican Party, its officers or candidates. McCain, who has tangled with Trump before, most notably after Trump said last year that McCain was not a war hero because he had been captured, added, Quote, while our party has bestowed upon him the nomination, it is not accompanied by unfettered license to defame those who are the best among us. Aside from McCain, a bipartisan coalition of veterans, family members of military personnel killed in the line of duty, a veteran serving in Congress, and an ex-diplomat sent a letter to Trump calling his criticism of the cons an affront to each of them. It also called for him to apologize. 
Quote, your statements are unacceptable, especially from someone seeking to serve as our commander-in-chief, the letter said. The con sacrifices earn them the right to ask hard questions of those seeking elected office. Such a good point. The list of signatories includes highly decorated combat veterans, including Medal of Honor recipient Dakota Meyer, who is a supporter of Ted Cruz's presidential campaign, Representative Seth Moulton, a Democrat in Massachusetts who served in Iraq as a Marine Corps infantry officer, is also on the list. Brian Duffy, the recently elected commander-in-chief of the VFW, the Veterans of Foreign Wars, released a statement saying that the organization, quote, will not tolerate anyone berating a Gold Star family member for exercising his or her right of speech or expression. Duffy added that, quote, there are certain sacrosanct subjects that no amount of wordsmithing can repair once crossed. Brad, the rebuke of, of Trump's statement of the Khan family has been strong, including by some we just read in his own party. Uh, how do you think this will affect his support from military families? Well, I think it will affect – I think this is a disaster for Trump. Uh, my guess is by the time national polls come in at the end of the week registering this, he'll be uh, he'll be double digits behind Hillary Clinton. It's a political disaster of his own making. And you know, going back to the John McCain situation you mentioned, you know, it was worse than that. Uh, not only Trump demeaning uh, McCain's service, saying that he was quote a loser uh, because he was captured by the enemy. Um, you know, this is the, you know, I mean, all sorts of people have their political differences with John McCain, including me. But this is a man who spent seven years, I believe, uh, in a North Vietnamese prison, most of it in in uh, solitary confinement. He was constantly tortured uh, to give anti-American statements, uh, which he refused to do. Uh, the North Vietnamese also offered uh, McCain early release, which he refused. And the reason they were so intent on getting him uh, to make anti-American statements was because his father, uh, Admiral McCain, was the uh, was the uh, basically the commander of the United States Armed Forces uh, in in in, in uh, all of Asia, uh, and they felt that they could turn McCain and have McCain say something embarrassing uh, about his father, you know, being a warmonger or something. That would be a public relations coup. So they tortured McCain. They told him if he'd made the statement, they would release him before all the other POWs. Uh, and McCain refused. And how you can call him a loser for that, I just, I just can't comprehend. Brad, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I want to play a clip in a minute, uh, but first I want to go to uh, a call from our good friend Michael in the Bronx. Michael, I know you feel strongly about this matter. Go ahead with your thoughts. Well, before I address that thought, if the cons should happen to be listening to my voice right now, let me just say that I offer my condolences and heartfelt thanks to your son. And unlike Mr. Trump and some of his minions, I am one of many, many Americans that really do give a damn. So I hope that is some kind of consolation for them. In addition, Mr. Trump, as you to have said, definitely unfit 
I would even go further and say he's a sinister and so doggone dangerous because of the fact that, <clears throat> unlike, how should I put this, there are a bunch of us that says he's so full of crap when he keeps harping about radical Islam terrorism and with his fear-mongering, all right? But take into consideration those that actually believe in that stuff. Among that group, there could be a bunch that say, Trump, you just said that these people are the enemy. They are so dangerous, and yet you are playing into their emotions. You are degrading them. You are actually provoking an attack. Have you lost your freaking mind? What the hell is the matter with you? And I have to add that from what I've heard, I don't know if you two are also aware that Trump had said that he wants to beat the crap out of each and every Democrat that spoke at the DNC convention. I heard him say, uh, yeah, he, he did. He said he wanted to, I believe, knock knock him around or something to that effect. Again, you know, threatening physical violence against those who speak out against him, specifically targeting Michael Bloomberg, because you could tell that speech really got under Trump's skin, uh, you know, with Bloomberg being an independent and a fellow New Yorker. I think Michael makes some really good points. And the thing is with, with the military families and the military support from Trump, and, you know, you have these these two forces where, you know, Trump claiming to be pro-military, Republicans traditionally in the, you know, recent presidential elections and historically getting a higher percentage of the military vote. But you had this happen at a Mike Pence rally yesterday when a woman, a military mom, asked a question of Pence basically asking him about Trump's comments attacking the Gold Star Khan family. Let's listen in. Time and time again, Trump has disrespected our nation's armed forces and veterans, and his disrespect for Mr. Khan and his family is just an example. Two quick things about that clip. At the beginning, if you watch the video, the woman actually holds up a picture of her son and says that she is a military mom before she asks her question. So it's not like no one knew that her son was currently in the military and then booed her not knowing that. They booed this woman's question knowing that full well while she's holding up her son's picture, number one. And number two, I thought Pence actually did a pretty good job of handling it. That said... He tried to say that, you know, Trump gave some support of the Khan family. Well, we just played the clip of Trump attacking the Khan family and attacking Ghazala Khan. So I think that's a load of crap. But again, you know, we've got Pence in the position of trying to defend the indefensible. But I want to go to the first point, Brad. Doesn't that audio clip show the hypocrisy of those who say they support Trump because he supports military families? 
Oh, God, yes, it does. I mean, you know, there are a small group of fanatics, and they're getting smaller every day, uh, to who, you know, who don't believe Donald Trump can do anything wrong. Now, fortunately for the Republic, there are fewer and fewer of them uh, after this con episode. But it also reminds me of something that happened in a 2008 presidential campaign. Uh, while John McCain was giving a speech somewhere, it was late in the campaign in September or October, uh, some one person in the crowd uh, yelled that Barack Obama is a traitor. And, you know, everybody heard it. It was captured uh, on the, you know, TV. Uh, and McCain did the right thing. And he said, essentially, uh, I have great differences with Barack Obama on some very important issues. But he is not a traitor. I know he's a loyal American. And, you know... If Donald Trump had handled the situation that way, as McCain did, he would be fine. But he completely, um, he completely insulted the Khan family. He completely insulted, uh, you know, the hundreds of thousands of Americans who have given their lives for the country and their grieving families. Uh, it's just completely unacceptable and about the lowest you can get in the campaign I've ever seen, and I've been around for a while. I, it's funny that you say that, Brad, because I totally was thinking about that as well. I remember that it was in October, uh, like the first, the, it was, I'm looking it up now, October 10th of 2008, uh, that woman in the crowd said she's afraid of Obama because he's an Arab and McCain stood up and forcefully defended him and, you know, said, no, ma'am, I remember that. And I, I gained a lot of respect for, for McCain. And it's, it's sad that something that simple and, and that, you know, should be done super easily for anyone, uh, you know, got my respect. But in, in the, the scope of politics, you know, it seemed like then it was so, you know, charged. But now, I mean, those days look so tame and, you know, compared to what we're what we're dealing with today going back to pence brad you know you obviously uh you know run campaigns i mean thinking of it in in pence's particular situation and he he took this on i have zero sympathy for him he's his running mate he's attached to all of it but um i think the clip articulated to me how pence is in the position of trying to defend the indefensible would you agree with that well, yeah, uh, yeah, and you know, I mean, I mean, another contrary example uh, today. Uh, big news in Washington uh, was that a Republican member of Congress uh, from upstate New York uh, said today that because of uh, Trump's abuse of the Khan family, um, he was not only going to not vote for Donald Trump. But he said he was going to vote for Hillary Clinton. And remember, this is a, you know, a conservative Republican congressman from conservative upstate New York. And this prompted uh, Congressman Hanna to announce that he was going to vote for Donald Trump, uh, vote for Hillary Clinton. Now, there have been all sorts. There are about three or four Republican senators who said they're not going to vote for Donald Trump. 
Um, there are about a dozen Republican members of the House of Representatives who said they're not going to vote for Donald Trump. There are at least two governor, Republican governors I know of, uh, the governors of Virginia and Massachusetts, both Republicans who said they're not going to vote for Donald Trump. But this is the first time a high-ranking Republican politician has gone all the way and said, I'm going to vote for Hillary Clinton. Uh, this is how bad it is. That's a great point to uh, finish on with this hour, Brad. You're talking about uh, Representative Richard Hanna, you're right, of upstate New York, Republican uh, congressman. We're going to come right back with Brad Bannon and get into Trump and what he had to say about Russia and Ukraine. We're going to get into the polls, one of my favorite things to do with Brad, start to pick them apart, see what uh, we're looking at from the past week, and also what we might be looking at going forward. And additionally, we're going to get into the comments yesterday by Warren Buffett regarding Donald Trump's tax returns and much, much more. So don't go away. Again, this is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio of, for, and by you, the people. You're on, and welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall with you for the next hour, joined by good friend of the show, Brad Bannon. He is joining us for not only this hour, but also Brad usually joins us uh, on Fridays from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern. This week instead, uh, we uh, decided to have him on today with all the happenings uh, going on in the world. Uh, Last hour, you heard us discussing Donald Trump's attacks on the Gold Star Khan family. Uh, You're still more than welcome to chime in on that subject in this hour at 8886-LESLIE. That's 8886-537-543. As promised, we are joined again by Brad Bannon, who runs Bannon Communications Research, a polling message development and media firm which helps labor unions progressive issue groups and democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns brad is also a senior advisor to and contributing editor for the website tiller which is the social media network for politics that's tiller t-i-l-l-e-r the number four y-o-u.com and he lectures in political science at salem state university in salem massachusetts you can follow him on twitter at brad bannon that's bannon with two n's b-a-n-n-o-n and you can go to his website at bannoncr.com as i alluded to as we ended last hour donald trump not only had the comments over the weekend regarding the khan family and attacking Ghazala khan and talking about his sacrifices comparing them with the sacrifices of the khan family he also had uh, a snafu when he was being interviewed by George Stephanopoulos regarding Ukraine and Russia. We're going to uh, play a little bit of that clip right now for those of you who haven't heard it yet. Why did you soften the GOP platform on Ukraine? Uh, I wasn't involved in that. Honestly, I was not involved. Yeah, I was not involved in that. I'd like to, uh, uh, I'd have to take a look at it, but I was not involved. Do you know what they did? 
They softened it, I heard, but I was not involved. They took away the part of the platform calling for provision of lethal weapons to Ukraine to defend themselves. Why is that a good idea? Uh, it's, look, you know, I have my own ideas. He's not going into Ukraine, okay, just so you understand. He's not going to go into Ukraine. All right, you can mark it down, you can put it down, you can take it anywhere well, you want. He's already there, isn't he? Okay, well, he's there in a certain way, but I'm not there. You have Obama there. So, of course, we heard uh, that was Donald Trump talking to George Stephanopoulos and basically not knowing or just, I don't know, forgetting that Putin and Russia have already invaded Ukraine and taken over the territory of Crimea. Uh, Brad, what did you think when you heard that clip of Trump? I mean, honestly, it reminded me of Sarah Palin when she first hit the media scene after being chosen as John McCain's running mate. But this is a man who's already won the Republican primary. Well, I thought of two things. Uh, first of all, uh, Trump's lack, complete lack of knowledge of international uh, and national security issues is a prime uh, focus of the Clinton campaign, and Trump just gave the Clinton campaign more uh, more ammunition to make the point that the campaign Clinton can't Democrats are trying to make is that he doesn't have the qualifications to be an effective commander in chief. The second thing I thought of uh, was the last nineteen uh, the last presidential debate uh, in uh, nineteen seventy six uh, when. President Gerald Ford announced that Poland wasn't under Russian domination. Well, of course it was, uh, and I think that was a really close campaign, and that comment, which completely ignored the Soviet subjugation of Poland, uh, probably cost Gerald Ford the election. And this, for Trump, is just another in a series of, uh, you know, his demonstrations that he knows absolutely nothing about national security policy. And voters have caught on. If you look at any of the national, recent national polls, when they ask uh, voters which of the two candidates has the qualifications to be an effective commander-in-chief, uh, Hillary Clinton uh, beats Trump by a two-to-one margin, and Trump demonstrated why uh, on Sunday morning. Brad, the other thing that's interesting is this is a specific theme keeps coming up with here with Russia. George Stephanopoulos actually asked a good question, which was why was the GOP platform softened against Russia, specifically with their the inroads they've been making, uh, you know, into Ukraine. And, you know, he just completely, you know, ignored the subject like he usually does, saying he somehow wasn't responsible for the platform, even though he's the nominee of the party. And we also heard him basically begging the Russians to, you know, commit espionage against us for Hillary Clinton's emails. We've had him complimenting Putin, you know, a, a ruthless, brutal, you know, overlord essentially in Russia. So this just honestly continues to, I think, add to the theme of him being cozy with Putin in Russia, which is obviously not going to play well uh, in an American election. Uh, I want to go next to some callers who want to talk with you, Brad, and myself. First, we're going to go to Manny in Massachusetts. Manny, welcome to the show and go ahead with your thoughts. Hey guys, I just had a, a couple of questions. Um, it's, good. It's, it's about um, him being unfit for office. Um, I understand that when you become the nominee, you get briefed, and those uh, briefings are private and uh, top secret, from what I know. Um, do you think that he should be able to get those briefings, A, 
Lee, do you think he will use some of the stuff that he learns in the briefings during the debate? And C, is that illegal? Uh, I think so. Good, good three questions there. Uh, first, I'll let Brad handle the first one. I, I don't know, and if you don't know, Brad, I don't want to put you on the spot. I know both candidates are supposed to start getting intel briefings, and Harry Reid had said <laughs> that the intelligence committee should just basically make stuff up when they have to give them to Trump. But I don't know if he started to receive briefings or not. If either candidate has, and I don't know when they usually start to receive briefings within the campaign cycle. Do you do you happen to know that, Brad? If not, we can look that up. They both have both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Have have uh, received briefings from the CIA. Uh, and, you know, let me add something on top of that, something we didn't mention, uh, is that uh, two weeks ago, uh, Donald Trump said uh, that he wouldn't necessarily uh, defend uh, any of our NATO allies uh, who were invaded by the Russians. Uh, so basically what he told the Baltic states, Lithuania, Estonia, uh, that uh, if the Russians invade you, sorry, we're not going to help. Uh, you're on your own. And, you know, Vladimir Putin just must be salivating at the idea of a Donald Trump presidency because Donald Trump just gave him license to run all over Eastern Europe. Which makes sense why we've seen security experts now basically saying that they have strong evidence that it was the Russians who uh, uh, hacked into the DNC computers and went into the files, the the Intel Oppo files on Trump. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that if, you know, that's the case, if you're looking for motivation as to why they would do it, I I think look no further. Um, If nothing else, it should be very concerning to either party or either candidate's party that Russia is trying to meddle uh, within our elections. But, you know, Trump just bucks the trend on that as well, specifically speaking to the point about, uh, being unfit to be commander in chief, and whether or not I'm concerned as to whether or not Trump would use those, you know, intelligence briefings to his advantage. Uh, I think he definitely would. I mean, President Obama, as you heard last hour, made comments today that he believes that Donald Trump is unfit to be president, and that's not something that the president says lightly. Uh, president Obama is not one of these people that throws around rhetoric like that. Uh, I, I was. I was, I'm happy he said it, but it's a strong statement coming from a man who usually measures his words carefully, especially since he's become leader of the free world and the president of the United States. So I definitely think whatever you are worried Trump would possibly do with the intel, I think you have reason to worry is the best way I can answer that. Uh, before we go to our uh, break, actually, you know what? We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with our next caller. Paul in Washington, you're next on the line, so hang tight. I don't want you to get cut off. Uh, so if you'd like to get in line now, We've only got uh, a couple callers in front of you. We have room. If you want to get in on now on the phone bank, you can do so at 888-6LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. We're talking about the feud with Donald Trump and the Gold Star Khan family. Trump's comments you just heard of not knowing or screwing up the fact that Russia has already invaded Ukraine and seized Crimea. And we're also going to get to Warren Buffett's comments yesterday regarding Donald Trump and his tax returns and much, much more. You can join us on any and all of these subjects at 8886-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. This is Mark Romaldi along with Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. And we will be right back after this very quick commercial break. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE.
Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall, joined by a good friend of the show, Brad Bannon. Follow him on Twitter at Brad Bannon. You can check out his website, BannonCR.com. My handle on Twitter is at Mark Jake Romaldi. That's G-R-I-M-A-L-D-I. We are talking about Donald Trump's feud with the Gold Star Khan family, as well as his comments in about, I should say, about Russia being in Ukraine, and we're going to be talking about Warren Buffett's comments yesterday regarding Trump's tax returns. But as promised, first we go to good friend of the show, Paul, in Washington. Paul, thanks for calling in, and go ahead with your thoughts. Oh, hi, Mark. Hi, Brad. Hi. Um, Well, the first thing I was thinking is that in terms of intelligent briefings for Trump, they might try handing him a copy of Green Eggs and Ham and see if he knows (laughs) it. (laughs) But maybe if he tries to use it in a debate, you know, like, Sam, I am. I, from what I hear, Sam, I am does not like Greg Zimhaz. From what I hear, a lot of people are saying that. Oh my God, I hate <laughs> when he says that, Paul. It totally just, oh, it just grades on me so bad. A lot of people are saying that, you know. I'm not saying that. He says that, and then he thinks he could just literally say anything. Well, he literally does say anything. That, that's true. Good but, point. Uh, the, the observation I wanted to make uh, about the uh, upstate New York Congressman Republican Richard Hanna. Yeah, that who says he is voting for Hillary Clinton. This was the same guy, Richard Hanna, who was one of the two, along with Kevin McCarthy, who acknowledged that the Benghazi investigation was a political witch hunt against Hillary Clinton. Oh, I see. I did not know that. Good on you, Paul. See, he was we, one. Of, Paul, I remember because Paul remembers everything. Have you noticed that, Brad? <laughs> yeah, I do, and uh, more power to him. You know, I you know I believe, uh, Mark, that. Uh, Hannah's district includes Syracuse, uh, or at least the surrounding parts, which are very, as you know, very conservative. Yeah, except for the liberal bastion of the campus you and I previously attended. Yeah, right. That is, that is correct. Uh, Paul, sorry, you were uh, you were talking uh, about something. You were continuing. Go ahead. Well, I, I remember it because when I was on the air, I, I kept calling him Daryl Hannah when that all happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that was him. And uh, he—I don't know if it was Kevin McCarthy who acknowledged it first, or it was him. But it was—I think about right around the same week, or within the same sort of news cycle. But they both did. He was one of them. Uh, the other thing is, uh, you know, what's going on with with Donald Trump? Uh, it's it, what's more concerned to me is how uh, segments of the Republican Party continue to try and rationalize him. You see, when you at the convention at the Republican convention. Uh, the, their method was to say to literally demonize Hillary Clinton. I'm talking. I'm referring to Ben Carson's speech where he basically linked her with Lucifer, literally demonizing her, and they're acknowledging that yeah, Donald Trump ain't so great, but Hillary Clinton is a devil, right? Yeah. And did you see yesterday, Paul? Trump literally called Hillary Clinton the devil yesterday. It came out late in the day, but he said Bernie Sanders made a deal with the devil, and Hillary Clinton is the devil. There That's you the go. real I, quote. I hadn't heard that, but yeah. that makes complete sense. Okay, so, but now that this Russian connection has come out, the Republican Party is trying to say, is trying to, imp, imp, or, or, not outwardly, not imply, but saying, these are two loser, cho- you, neither one of these is qualified. They're trying to say that, um, that, that their candidate is now down, in, you know, basically down in Hades with, with Hillary Clinton, and so neither one, uh, whereas they're going to have to acknowledge that because, you know, they're, they're, their presumption is that everyone knows that Hillary Clinton should be in an orange jumpsuit. Uh, so they're both this. Now they're both so bad they're not they're not uh, they're not worthy of anyone's vote. And you know, trying to push 
third party. I, I think what they're trying to do is it's kind of a fake, trying to push Republicans to uh, voting for Libertarian ticket, uh, Gary Johnson and William Welch, and then trying to you know hold out a little bit of uh, a biscuit for the probably the the Bernie or Bust people and say, oh yeah, go ahead with Jill Stein. She's she'd be a good choice for you, and thereby trying to split the vote. I think the strategy might be this: to make it so, so split that you end up with. Um, there's two things I think, Brad. Here's what I want to know from you: either to try and get it so it has to go to the House of Representatives. That's one strategy. Or the other strategy is, and I'm waiting for this to happen, is what plans do they have to create some something in one state or more than one state that has to end up in the courts? Uh, just create a cre- create some kind of folly that uh, they oh now now we got to take this to court. I mean that's the that's the only strategy. That, those are the two strategies that can be down left to at this point. Well, to the first one, um, I would bet you serious money, even if. Uh, uh, Jill Stein. Well, you know, right now uh, Gary Johnson uh, has about twice the vote as Jill Stein does, so he's the more likely disruptor. Uh, but the reality is, neither of them. You know, you know, you know, Johnson may end up getting some serious votes, uh, but he will not get enough votes to win any state or any electoral votes. Uh, so that that the first option is precluded. Uh, you know, I. I am coming to the conclusion, you know, if you look at Richard Hanna, uh, you look at John Kasich, who is still actively attacking Donald Trump, uh, if you look at Ted Cruz, um, who pointedly did not endorse Trump uh, at, the, uh, at the Republican National Convention, uh, you look at Senator Ben Sass from Nebraska, uh, very conservative Republican, who said he's not going to vote for Donald Trump. And there are about, besides Richard Hanner, there are about eleven other, a dozen other Republican House of Representatives members of the House of Representatives who said they won't vote for Trump. Two Republican governors that I know of. You know, honestly, I think what Republicans in Washington are getting to the point where they know Trump is going to lose, uh, and they don't care anymore, and their main focus is making sure Trump doesn't drag down the United, their United States Senate majority with them. You know, I think there are Republicans out there who say, okay, Trump's going to lose, let him lose, uh, and we'll start over with a clean slate uh, in 2020 and take another shot at it. I mean, that's the sense I get of Republicans in Washington. They don't care about Trump anymore. They just want to make sure Trump doesn't take down the rest of the party with them. I want to let Paul have one last say here, but we're going to do it after the quick commercial break. That, of course, is Brad Bannon. The uh, let me get your full real title here, Brad. I know you're you're man of the people, but I like to call you. But you run Bannon Communications Research, a polling message development and media firm, which helps labor unions, progressive issue groups, and Democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns. He's also senior advisor to and contributing editor for Tiller4U.com, the social media network for politics, and he's a lecturer. In Poli Sci at Salem State. You can hear him right here on the Leslie Marshall Show and follow him on Twitter at Brad Bannon. Check out his website, BannonCR.com. This is Mark Romaldi. If you'd like to talk with Brad or myself, you can join us at 8886 Leslie. That's 888 653 
Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall, joined by Brad Bannon. We go right back to the phones and Paul in Washington. Paul, go ahead, sir. We had to uh, take our break there, as you know the nature of radio, my friend. Sure. Uh, just to finish up, uh, I want to ask Brad about, about the Senate races. From what I understand, there are 34 races up, uh, 34 seats up for uh, election this year, and I understand that. I think 24 of them, uh, Republicans are defending, and 10 of them, the Democrats uh, incumbents, are defending. Uh, you know, I, Brad, I'm not an expert like you, but if I think, okay, let's say each one, each party goes 50-50, Republicans win 12, lose 12, and the Democrats win 5 and lose 5. I don't know if this is, <laughs> if this is good math. But that comes out to be a, a net gain of 7 for the Democrats, and they would take the majority 53 to 47 at that point. Uh, well, yeah, you're cor- you're correct. Uh, there are 34 Senate seats up. 24 of them are Republican seats. 10 of them are Democratic seats. If you look at the 10 Democratic seats that are up, the Republicans aren't seriously contesting any of them. Right. Uh, so the Democrats will keep all 10 of their seats. I would say there are about seven Republican seats that are in trouble, mainly because Donald Trump is dragging them down. Uh, Kelly Ayotte uh, in New Hampshire is in trouble. Uh, Pat Toomey in Pennsylvania. Uh, uh, Mark Kirk in Illinois is dead man walking. Uh, Probably uh, uh, Johnson in Wisconsin, who's who's uh, running against uh, Russ Feingold. Feingold. I'm He's probably Portman. dead. I think John McCain as Arizona is going down because of the surging uh, Latino vote. Uh, in Florida, Marco Rubio is in a dead heat uh, with his uh, Democratic opponent. Uh, and I could point to six. I think I'm leaving one out, too. Yeah, the Rob one Portman. Paul said. Yeah, Rob Portman in Ohio, Brad. Yeah. And... <clears throat> If Hillary Clinton wins the presidency and Tim Kaine becomes vice president, the Democrats can take control with a pickup of three Republican seats. Uh, if the uh, even if uh, Hillary Clinton and Tim Kaine lose, they if the Democrats will control the Senate if they pick up four seats. And I think the odds are very good that the Democrats will probably pick up at least four seats because there are about seven Republican seats uh, in trouble and no Democratic seats. Is it is it Alan Grayson who's uh, challenging Marco Rubio in Florida? Uh, there are Grayson is running uh, in a primary uh, against Patrick Murphy, who is a Democrat, a current Democratic member of Congress. Oh, okay. And uh, Murphy is the favorite over Grayson, but it's still pretty close. So it could be either Grayson or Murphy. Uh, but the re- but the polls show that Marco Rubio, I think, because he's you know basically uh, taken Florida. Uh, voters for granted uh, is in big trouble there. All right. Thanks for your call, Paul. We appreciate you calling in all the time. Uh, We always love your contributions to the show. If you'd like to join in, you can do so at 8886 Leslie. Brad, speaking of that gaffe by Trump on Russia, you know, and also the ones that you brought up before, you know, you have him attacking Judge Curiel because of his Mexican heritage, him attacking John McCain, calling him a loser because he was captured as a prisoner of war during the Vietnam War. I mean, those are the major ones that come to my mind, although there's been some really big ones. Sometimes you forget some. Just when you think, he, you know, the Trump 
he's he's going to have a gaffe he won't recover from. He's now had two in one weekend with the clip we played earlier of him attacking uh, the mother of a slain U.S. Army captain, and then the clip of him saying Russia won't invade Ukraine. Because of the unconventional candidate that he is, and you have some of these rabid supporters of his, I, I take for granted that either candidate probably has a certain you know, percentage of supporters they wouldn't lose almost no matter what. But outside of that, is Trump gaff-proof, or is this all kind of just collectively taking a toll, do you think? Well, uh, I think it's collectively taking its toll. I mean, the political context is I've seen two national polls come out since the end of the Demo- after the Democratic Convention. Uh, the newest one, CNN, uh, shows Hillary Clinton with a nine-point lead. Uh, the other one, which was CBS News poll, showed Hillary Clinton with a seven-point lead. I think by the end of this week, mainly because of the con thing, Hillary will have a lead in double digits. Uh, And I think it proves this stuff. I think you said something about the collective nature of them. Uh, I just think he's piling these things on one after another are taking their toll. And I think the the reason it hurts him is because he has very little credibility left um, as the as to his uh, qualifications to be an effective uh, commander-in-chief. Um, it's interesting. The other thing the national polls uh, show, which is interesting, uh, now there's been a lot of talk about the you know, disputes between the, uh, the Clinton people and the Sandinistas, but if you look at these two national polls, it's interesting to note that Hillary Clinton is doing better among Democrats than Donald Trump is among Republicans. And there are a lot of Republicans, uh, there are more Republicans who can't stomach the idea of voting for Donald Trump than there are uh, Bernie Sanders supporters who can't stomach the idea of voting for Hillary Clinton. Uh, and, it, it, you know, Trump is in, in serious problems, and he's made these problems himself. Uh, you know, he's just continues to make mistakes. I mean, you know, there's the con thing, which, you know, attacking the gold star uh, family of a, of a, you know, dead, you know, a dead captain who went to Iraq to fight for his country. Um, then uh, today uh, he gave a speech in Ashburn, Virginia. Uh, there was a baby crying, uh, and he said on the mic, get that baby out of here. Yeah, I heard about that. What the hell? Like, did and, the guy... You know, the next thing is... There's going to be a. He's going to go on live TV, drowning kittens. Yeah, seriously. I mean, the guy just for someone who supposedly understands the media and how it works, there's certain parts of it that he just doesn't seem. But I think, I guess to psychoanalyze him, I think the man just lacks empathy. Whether it was the way he was brought up, that his father, you know, he had a silver spoon in his mouth, or that. He surrounded himself with yes men and yes women, or, or or that he's just a sociopath and is incapable of of feeling you know empathy for those that you know don't support him. It could be all of the above. Um, you know, you were talking, Brad, about the forecasting with the polls. You know, the one thing that people always talk about in elections is will there be an October surprise? And it's a big question mark. I think that, you know, whispering in, in, in corners of Democrats, you know, Democratic areas where people are worried about is 
will there be future leaks from WikiLeaks? And obviously we don't know that Julian Assange and WikiLeaks have, have talked about potentially leaking other documents and no one really knows what they have. But I guess my question is now what they might have, I, I wonder if it loses some of its luster. Now obviously it's hard not knowing what it could be because now that security experts not people just in the Clinton campaign, but security experts themselves as well as in the government have said that they suspect that the Russians, the Russian government, is responsible for hacking into our our servers and getting these documents and then giving them to WikiLeaks. So I just wonder how if, if whatever might hurt Clinton or the Democrats, if really that's what Russia is trying to do, is now that this narrative playing out is that Russia is trying to steer our election. I just wonder if if that might soften the blow. Again, we don't really know if it's going to happen or if so, what it might show. I know this is quite a big question mark, Brad, but as a political strategist, this is something that I'm sure uh, you, you can imagine if you were running this campaign or that the Clinton campaign is trying to prepare for in case you know something like that happens. Well, yeah, you always have to be aware of October surprises. And you never know what it's going to be. That's why they call them surprises. A good example is back in 2000, uh, where uh, in, it was, I believe, a few days before the election, uh, a, pre- a reporter got hold of a story uh, that uh, George W. Bush had had his uh, li- driver's license taken away uh, because he was, uh, you know, stopped by a state cop in Maine, DWI. And I, you know, I think that made the election, that may have, but what made, help George uh, 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 Gore uh, win the popular vote. And I think that was a classic example of an October surprise that almost uh, wiped George W. Bush out. And sure, something could happen. But let me tell you, regardless what Hillary Clinton says or does, there's only one thing that can be done to stop her from winning the presidential race. And it's something that's impossible to do. And that thing is Donald Trump has to keep his mouth shut. If Donald Trump keeps talking, saying stuff like this, it doesn't matter what Hillary Clinton says or does anymore. Uh, All that matters is Every time Trump says one of these things, it dominates the media. And as long as he keeps talking uh, and saying stupid stuff, it doesn't matter what Hillary Clinton says or does anymore. He does seem incapable of shutting his mouth. I mean, I remember after Paul Manafort took over for Corey Lewandowski, you could tell they tried to put the clamps on him tweeting after the uh, Orlando uh, attack, the biggest mass shooting in our country's history. He went on Twitter congratulating himself for, uh, you know, I don't know, talking about Muslim extremism or something, you know, before the bodies had even been cleared from the club. Uh, And you have many other instances of him doing so. And it looked like after the Judge Curiel comments, you had Corey Lewandowski telling him, yes, you know, having the surrogates go out, keep attacking him, keep attacking him, double down. And after that, it looked like Manafort maybe had pulled him in a little bit but now we're seeing with this case they are doubling down they're trying to talk out of both sides of their mouth and say oh the Khan family are heroes but then attacking them out of the other side of their mouth so i think you bring up some great points brad brad we're going to go to break here but before we go to break i want to uh, just let our audience know that we're going to be playing the warren buffett clip coming out of break and i want to get to the issue of donald trump's tax returns because i feel it's one of the the biggest issues in this campaign because of all the talk that donald trump does that hasn't been covered enough it really is a, a Marvel 
that for the first time in modern history, it looks like we're going to have a, a major presidential candidate not release his tax returns. And I want to talk with Brad about what that means. Talk with you as well if you'd like to join in. The number to do so is 8886-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. This is Mark Grimaldi along with Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. And we will be right back after this quick commercial break. You're listening to The Leslie Marshall Show. Truth for all sides of the spectrum. 888-6-LESLIE. Welcome back to The Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall, joined by good friend of the show, Brad Bannon. As promised, we go to the comments yesterday by Warren Buffett regarding Donald Trump. You will learn a whole lot more about Donald Trump if he produces his income tax return. And so that's why I'd like to make him an offer. An offer I hope he can't refuse. (laughs) Donald Trump, Donald Trump... At one point, he says various things at different times, but at one point, and he said it several times, is that he can't do it, can't release it because he's under audit. Now, I've got news for him. I'm under audit, too. <laughs> and I would be delighted to meet him any place, any time between now and election. I'll bring my tax return. He could bring his tax return. Nobody's going to arrest us. It is not. There are, no, there are no rules against showing your tax returns. And just let people ask us questions about the items that are on there. How many of you would be afraid to have your tax return made public? Yeah. It, it does not. No. No. You're only afraid if you've got something to be afraid about. <laughs> and you're not, he's not afraid because of what of the IRS. He's afraid because of you. (laughs) Brad, uh, first of all, such well-articulated points by Warren Buffett yesterday. And, you know, I I have honestly been surprised. I, I know I shouldn't be, but I guess by the public's reaction that Donald Trump hasn't released his tax returns yet and that it hasn't more garnered more attention, seeing that Every major party candidate has done so since 1976. Even Richard Nixon released them while he was under audit. What do you make of this situation, Brad? Well, first of all, uh, I think Warren Buffett is right. Uh, The people who don't want to release their tax returns are people who are afraid of uh, what people will see in the tax returns. You only refuse to give them out if you don't want people to see something. And my guess is there are two possibilities here. Uh, and part of the first possibility is that Donald Trump has made millions of dollars, uh, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars over the years, and not paid a cent of federal income tax. Uh, and the other possibility uh, is that since there have been dozens of Trump businesses that have gone bankrupt, uh, the tax returns will demonstrate uh, 
that he is a sad excuse for a businessman um, while he's claiming uh, that his business experience will help him be a successful president. Um, it's one of those two. I don't know, but part of the problem he's creating but not releasing his returns is that people imagine the worst. You can read your own, because you can't actually see Donald Trump's tax returns, people read the worst possible uh, thing into his refusal to, to release them. Uh, and I think, it, you know, I don't know. My guess is, um, of those two options, they probably demonstrate uh, the fact that uh, his financial record is so scattered because of his you know, countless bankruptcies in his business, he's probably too embarrassed to show people that he's been a failure as a businessman. I think that's why he's not releasing them. Uh, and as long as he refuses to release them, he will just increase the negative speculation. Uh, so he again, this is one of countless times we can look at Donald Trump and say he is the uh, creator of his own problems. Brad, I think you hit on some really important points. A couple I want to touch on is, one, he and his campaign, or he himself, has made a calculation that whatever is in his tax returns is worse than whatever everyone can guess about them, which is a pretty strong bet, which tells me there's some stuff that's not good in there. My The best guesses I've heard are, you brought up some really good ones. I think also that he probably hasn't donated as much to charity as he says he has because we saw that the Washington Post and other publications had to point out that he hadn't made the donation to the veterans' families that he said he did. The other thing is you also have a lot of uh, basically potential connections to Russian investments with Russia where he says he doesn't have any investments in Russia where there's no way to prove it and then he you he saw and many others saw how when Mitt Romney released his tax returns and we saw that he paid so little I think zero for a while in federal income taxes and was paying a lower tax rate uh, because he was paying the 15 percent capital gains tax than most Americans that it hurt him in the election also I think potentially that Trump's not worth as all the billions he says he's worth because that's one of the things he builds his reputation on that I'm this great businessman and the bankruptcies and probably some things that we don't even know about. I mean, the, the man has so many different uh, non-disclosure agreements. He's got them with his ex-wives, I believe, other campaign officials. There's people who have worked for him who said it's a very standard practice for him to uh, ask his employees at the time of their hire to sign non-disclosure agreements. So many other things could be in those income tax returns. And I just think it's very interesting that he's made the calculation that to be the first candidate in modern history, a major party candidate in modern history, to not release his tax returns. Now, I know, I know, and I'm sure they'll come up with something additionally, how the, he's going to try to spin this in the debates to say, well, you know, Hillary Clinton hasn't released her scripts from her three Goldman Sachs speeches. You just know that we're going to hear that, Brad. But the problem with that is... Not all the major party candidates in modern political history have – that's not the standard. The standard is the tax returns. And well, it is. And, you know, it, you know, whether it makes a lot of difference to Americans, whether or not a candidate releases his or her tax returns, I don't know. But I can guarantee you that his failure to release tax concern, uh, his tax returns, allow Democrats to 
paint the worst possible possible uh, plausibilities in the minds of the American voters. So if it doesn't hurt him because it, he doesn't release his returns, it will hurt him because it lies, lies him open to all sorts of attacks from good government agent groups, uh, from Hillary Clinton, from other Democrats, uh, and it, it, you know, it, cause, it will cause him a tr- trouble if he doesn't release tax returns. And I guess the other thing I'd add to what you said, you brought up that he has all these non-disclosure agreements with his employees. The simple answer to this is you can't treat the American voters like one of your employees. Such a good point, Brad. Talking about self-inflicted wounds, Trump just said today he's not ready yet to endorse Paul Ryan or John McCain in their primaries. More fun from Donald Trump. Brad Bannon, as always, thank you so much. You can follow him on Twitter at Brad Bannon. Follow myself at Mark J. Grimaldi. Have a great evening.